Welcome to another episode of the Streaking the Lawn podcast. Once again, my name is Pierce. Once again, I've got Zach with me. Hello, Zach. Hello, Pierce. How's it going? Oh, fine. I'm excited for our guest today. We have Dan Siegel from StreakingTheLawn.com, among other uh, media pursuits. Dan, what's up? Yeah, so glad to be on this show. Thanks am... for joining us. Yeah, I mean... I am not particularly happy with what is going on <laughs> in the UVA football program right now, but yeah, happy yeah. to be here. Happy well, to discuss and... Speaking of that, um, introduce yourself a little bit to the listeners. I, I, you know, they might be familiar with your podcast or, or your content on the blog, but just in case it's like my mom who only subscribes to this and doesn't do anything else. Uh, who are you? Why, why, why are you here? Yeah. So I'm, I'm Daniel Siegel. I am a, UMass student, but a diehard UVA fan from basically my childhood. And I write for Streaking the Lawn. You guys might know my content there. And I also am a ACC podcast host for the Takeover ACC podcast, which you guys could check out. Follow me on Twitter at Dan Siegel ACC. That is Dan S I E G E L A C C. Love it. Well, thanks again for joining us. And I, I wish it was under more exciting circumstances as uh everyone i assume listening to this at home knows uh we're, we're here to talk about another l for the who's who've, who've dropped to uh oh and two in conference and uh probably one of the more disappointing losses um you know there are, none of them is fun but Syracuse, you're you're at least looking like God, ah, just a play here and there, and and sort of thought maybe we'd get crushed and and you know held them to field goals. We're in it, and and this one just the wheels came off pretty early. I'm sure we'll get to some high points, but uh, those high points were never enough to make it feel much like a contest once uh once the score got to uh you know a 21 point deficit. But Dan, I'll I'll go ahead and start with you. You know what was some initial takeaways of yours, and is this I don't know, a step back on the season or just building to to something else? Well, I said this in my takeaways article that I wrote after the game. I think this is the one poor performance so far, which UVA has had several poor performances, but this was the first poor performance where I felt like there's just very little to nothing you could take away with a positive outlook looking forward, right? Because mm -hmm. the first time, the Illinois game, well, you know, the defense played pretty well and the offense has the weapons, they'll figure it out. And then after the Old Dominion game, you know, we struggled with an, uh, an Old Dominion team, but hey, you know, the offensive line played much better. Maybe there's something to build on. And the Syracuse game, well, Syracuse is actually a pretty solid team. Now, maybe we, you know, we clawed back, we showed some signs of life, but losing by three touchdowns to Duke, team that UVA is historically, recently at least, taken care of by wide margins and then it completely flips like and the way that it happened as well there's just really not much positivity you could come out with going forward yeah yeah i think we've seen that echoed uh on the social media uh <laughs> on the message boards and uh i mean honestly in coach elliott's comments and and you know former players tweets etc cetera, etc cetera. so zach you've got your finger on the pulse of <laughs> UVA athletics commentary. What what's your takeaway? What, what what are other people saying? Where where are we? What is there to do? What where do we go from here as fans? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think that this game, you are forced to reassess expectations for year one of the Elliott era. I think going into this season, we looked at Brennan coming back, the receivers coming back, a defense that was um, going to be adds enough pieces in the transfer portal that there could be some, you know, improvement, and there has been. Um, but if you just look at this football team, they just don't seem particularly competent. Like there's just, it's been in its five games and, and this is what I'm getting to, but just the little things are not going right. And, mm-hmm. and, and it's happened enough times that it's not just by chance, that it's not just coincidence that a punt is blocked and they fumble a kickoff and they decide to punt and get a 26 yard net gain on fourth and three. And then they don't go for fourth and three later in the game. And then on third and goal from the six, Brennan Armstrong takes a 10-yard sack when he can just throw the ball away and go for it on fourth because three points doesn't do anything when you're down by 18 or 21. Mm-hmm. 21, I think it was. So it's just these little things. And, and, and Aaron Famuli's second personal foul, and I think is as, in as many weeks or at least two in, in the young season, dumb penalties that are just – building and building and the offensive line does not look that much better. The tackles are straight up bad. John Paul Flores was, who was supposed to be the experienced presence on the inside of the guard spot is not good in pass blocking and has to get pulled. The center spot is in flux. Nothing is consistent. And even though Brennan Armstrong had maybe arguably, I mean, the Richmond game aside and, and ODU succeeding with, you know, the turnover sort of counter counteractive things but Brennan maybe maybe having his best game relative to expectations he had an 80 percent adjusted completion rate obviously some of that is he had passes batted down that were probably his fault that might not have been accounted for there um but Brennan looked better and the receivers at least made some plays they also had six drops but there was a little bit going on offense there's a little bit of something there um but even with that things fall apart and so you say okay we're two and three we lost to Duke Ideally, at this point in the season going into the year, we were thinking four and one, three and two, like if if things are going poorly. But it's going to be right hard now. for them to get to the 10 wins you predicted. Uh, I predicted eight. I predicted eight. <laughs> yeah, but, but bowl, bowl, bowl wins, thing, yeah. you know, yeah, if we're talking the about semifinal and the <laughs> right. Yeah. So um, with that being all that being said. Tony Elliott year one is a foundational year. It's not the sort of like get off to a hot start and then build from there. This is we're resetting. We're resetting. We're trying to establish new foundations. We're trying to establish a new culture and hopefully Brennan Armstrong can help do that before he leaves. Hopefully he can maybe get a little bit something going so that his NFL stock isn't completely tanked. But otherwise I think we're saying we're praying (laughs) for bowl eligibility because that's going to be hard to get to at this point. And you're just hoping that some of those foundational values that Elliot is trying to instill in a professional program, perhaps the groundwork is there. Um, And maybe they can clean some things up. Maybe they can get a tech win at the end of the year. And we're just feeling a little bit better, but this is not the eight, nine win season that some people were like, listen, that's possible. And then we just head into 2025 recruiting kick butt there. And then it's off to the races with the Tony and Elliott. That's not what this is. And so we've got to regroup and it's just going to be a matter of trying to get as many wins as you can just to get something going for the future. (laughs) Well, and this question is for both of you and I'll start with Dan, but I would like to hear both of your thoughts. 
when you that, that comes up a lot, Zach. Like, what is it to you know? We should have we should have reloaded. We you know we we have a strong enough team to bring in a new coach that can work with this talent and have some success. Clearly, there has been no success where you just got your ass handed to you by a Duke team that was abysmal last year and brings in a coach. And now they're beating practically almost everybody they've played. You know, what is this culture that needs to be determined? How, why is that so different for a, a, a team like UVA that looks like they they're mismanaged, that looks like they, they, they're not mentally checked into the game. What's the difference there in bringing in a new coach that can make this go sideways, like it just a, a bad fit in personnel or feelies or vibes yeah. are off. I, mean, I don't know. Dan, yeah. Dan, you follow the, this whole conference really closely. I mean, you've seen this turnover. What, what plausibly, I know you don't know the exact answer, but like, what do we, t- what could it be? Well, first off, we know that Bronco Mendenhall has a very unique personality, a very unique way about going about things. And as a result, probably a very unique sort of attitude among yeah. the players that he brought in. So maybe there's something that has to do with that. He was, I felt like a very CEO like coach and not as much like hands-on mm. and Tony Elliott's pretty much the opposite. So there's a, I think the culture adjustment is there. Also people thought, we'd hit the ground running in 2022 because of all the things we had to build on on offense and all that. But think about it. Like we went six and six last year, right? It's not like we are, it's not like everything was going super well last year. Mm -hmm. The defense was abysmal. Now the defense is much better. Like there's, there's stuff to build on, but there were plenty of holes in the personnel that Tony Elliott inherited and Mm -hmm. the team went six and six. So it's not like he's completely gashed something that was already so great. Sure. I think our questions coming in, we're going to be, how do, how do you fix a defense that looks so bad uh, and, and, you know, a short amount of time to take advantage of the offensive personnel that this team has. And instead it's been, like seeing step-by-step improvements with the defense, this, this game, a bit of a step back, but Duke is a prolific offense. I'm, you know, so we can talk about that. Defense isn't good, but they, they, I don't think it's fair to say they're the weakness uh, of this team five, five games. in. so Zach to you, same, same question. What do you know? What, what goes into how things can just fall apart? So sort of unexpectedly, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. I mean, I think, we maybe we, we we looked at Brennan Armstrong last year, and I think sometimes I even and maybe others do as well forget that he had a whole other like year before that of of playing as the starting quarterback for this team back in twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, that twenty twenty one was the anomaly. That twenty twenty one wasn't the norm. That Armstrong went above and beyond that season, and the staff needed to play that type of offense. I mean, it, it was Robert and us offense, but, but that it, it worked for that team and that that was what they were building to for years with Armstrong. It's what they were building mm-hmm. to for years with that team. And you, and, and simply just bringing in a, a different staff and, and, and trying to do something new and something different, especially because I think 
there was at least a an expectation that this offensive line it's been serviceable but it's also been it, it hasn't been sort of the like okay this isn't quite as bad as we thought no it's been as as bad as we thought i think that there was maybe a hope that you know i'm not going to doubt garrett too jay like the, the cards he's been dealt have not been um favorable so i'm not, I'm not going to judge him on this one season but um, I think that there was hope that like, okay, an experienced line coach there who's had so much success could mold this group into something like five guys who are going to be consistent. And at least you're going to know what you're getting. And Armstrong is going to have to deal with more pressure, but it's just been inconsistent with individual guys. It's been inconsistent on, in run blocking, pass blocking. It's one thing that that's been a big, bigger issue. And then you just guys have regressed. And, and that, that's what is sort of what I was touching on with Brennan last year being the anomaly it was the anomaly for a lot of guys, it seems. Like, Dontavion Wick seems to have legitimate issues with drops. He had another two, I think, um, against yeah. Duke. And this seems to be, like, you know, it seems to be a plague, you know, uh, uh, amongst the, the wide receivers' room. All that just goes to say that, like, last year, I don't know if we appreciated that offensive success enough. And I think Dan makes a great point of, they were six and six. It wasn't like this was an eight and four team that, you know, won a bowl game and they're nine and four. And like, oh man. Yeah, you but know? the offense looked like but, I mean it, it as a as a, a, yeah. a football fan, the offense last year was one of the few times I remember being like, Ooh, we have the ball. We're gonna score a touchdown. <laughs> you yeah. know, usually it's like, ooh, we have the ball. I hope we don't screw this up. But just in general, I you know, I'm a UVA and a Lions fan. So like like this is UVA and a Jets fan here. Yeah, all right, all right. Eagles, so, so, baby. Uh, shut up. <laughs> anyway. Um, I suffered for a long time. No, you did it. Shut up. Like no one like feels 10 right years, for, Pierce. I watched I I watched you win a Super Bowl very recently. Shut up. All right. <laughs> Let's go. What did you do with Chip Kelly, man? <laughs> Anyway, that's like 15 being, years off my that last year's last year's offense was spectacular and and trustable. I mean, they they they, they showed up and it sort of ties into to something I want to dig in a little more to I you know, for lack of a better way, the vibes are off with these guys. It's it's mental mistakes on both sides of the ball. It's regression for one reason or another. It can't be blamed just on offensive line turnover of course we know how that affects a quarterback or everyone really you know nonetheless it it's easy to see in these losses that guys are reacting to you know adverse situations much differently than they did the previous staff there's a lot of reasons for that they they don't know the staff potentially and i'm not saying it's tony elliott's fault it very well could not be. Uh, but I I don't know how how you can look at that as fans and not come away disappointed to see that response to adversity from from this team. So, you know, Dan, you're big you're big UVA fan since childhood. Like you said, you see this this difference. How do you feel about it when you see the guys acting this way uh, on the sidelines live? Yeah, it's just very disappointing because I feel like that's the one thing you can you can control. Like as a football player, yeah. it's just discipline, committing stupid penalties. Like Aaron Felmui, I think Zach alluded to it earlier. I think he said 
two or three personal fouls this year in as many weeks. Like that's just, that's just ridiculous. You can't make that, that same mistake so many times over and over again. And like, honestly, I look at Tony Elliott and I look at Bronco Mendenhall and I think the one thing you could be rest assured of that Tony Elliott brings that Bronco doesn't is like a fiery passion on the sidelines, but it doesn't seem to have emulated on the players yet. Well, it Bronco, seemed, yeah, Bronco got the sideline going despite being this like quiet guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, I sorry I interrupted you, but like, yeah, it's ridiculous. It's crazy. Yeah. Maybe no, that, some of the exactly staff. <laughs> yeah. You also I, see like you know, when Elliot like pulled everybody together after the first quarter. And, like, he was, like, you know, giving that – and, listen, I don't want to, like, comment on just, like, a little bit of, like, the sideline behavior that we see on TV, like, the cut-together, like, 10-second clips because that's not the whole story. But it's, like, Elliot's, like, you know, yelling at his guys is just what football coaches do. Like, you're not going to fault him for that. But then everyone is just kind of, like, standing there, like – I mean, no, no one can see me right now. But, like, just sort of standing yeah. there nonchalant, just kind of staring at him, like – Okay, like you know, sounds good, coach. And it's like, yeah. shouldn't somebody have some passion and care about this game but, more than Elliot? Like, you know, I, dude, I think you're lo- you're getting your ass ascended to you by Duke. Exactly. Like, like and no there's one no one the, here, the, the, and yeah. you're losing by 21 points, yeah. and nobody cares in the state of Carolina. Well, and shout out to Keaton for clearly being a guy who's not acting the way we're describing. I mean that that's been. Um, one bright light. <laughs> I would say he's not the only one, but he's probably the biggest example of a guy who's not getting down and who is fighting and, and showing some fire there. Uh, it, you know, I guess it speaks to what can we hope for besides turning into some wins through the season, but seeing, seeing, you know, you see buy-in thrown around, uh, coach Elliott saying that's a gross that, word right now that's <laughs> like that's not the word you want or the phrase you want after I just don't games. get it because it's like 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 you've alluded to Zach you know professional aspirations making money like Don Tavian Wicks was you know on a lot of round one draft boards yeah he was sixth on like I think McShay's wide receiver and, board. Like, you know so legit. buy-in but you know, like like these none of these guys came here to play for Coach Elliott, but that doesn't mean they came here to help Bronco Mendenhall win games and that's it. You know, I don't I, I don't get it. I mean I, I get the idea of of buy-in to believe in the system that we're trying to run and it'll work for you, and you do have to do that to get the that system to work. But that's you know, with the systems making you drop passes, that doesn't make like, I don't yeah. yeah. I mean, the lack of comfort is like the only argument, but at this point, it's just like, I mean, if you, yeah, yeah, there there's, I've been digging into it in my articles, but it's, it's very hard to come up with an explanation for it. Yeah. We saw what they did last year and they've, it's not like they've slightly regressed, like new system, new coach, all that. Like they've just turned into completely different players yeah i miss jelani woods yeah (laughs) okay this is something maybe that was the one key why is sackett wood he had three snaps where he was out wide and 14 in the slot Mm. what are like you know you can fault the players also like 
I don't know. Like it the depth like chart. This... I mean, the depth for for guys who catch passes has yeah. been blown up. So you know, if you're looking for an answer, maybe no, that, you know that's that, fair. You know. It's just it's just like you didn't think that the wide receiver depth was going to be something that we were going to necessarily sure. be talking about, even when Fields and Twitty went down. Because you're saying we got four guys that you know would be getting legitimate targets on probably mm-hmm. any ACC team. You know, and, and I mean, it's just, it's night and day. And yeah. I mean, it, like Lavelle Davis makes one play a game and you're just like, man, there's got to be more here. And, 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 and that's, you know, that's not the 60 yard touchdown. It's like you want one yard play and then he disappears for the rest. I mean, which is cool, but like, yeah, know, yeah. I don't have targets going. in front of me on the box score. Um, right. He's only got one catch. Yeah. I, I mean, I can, I can pull it up, but yeah, well, why don't you do know. that? Let's run through a, a few sets just, just in case you're at home and curious. Paris Jones, again, led the team in rushing. He did a 5.1 uh, yards per carry, but only eight carries for 41. Brennan rushed a handful of times for 23 yards. He had eight carries. Mike Collins looked fine in his few carries, 14 yards, uh, 4.7 yards. Uh, Xavier Brown, on the other hand, five carries for only five yards. So... You know, what we thought was a breakout player has just sort of become another in a running back by committee and seeing who's hot, whatever. I mean, like the, the, you know, the offense isn't going to go as Xavier Brown goes, but hopefully he has some other big games this year, his first year, because things looked really promising. Um, and receiving Keaton led the team with 61 yards. Wicks had 51 yards on four catches. Like you said, Lavelle Davis only had one catch for 34 yards. And, uh, Grant Mitch, the tight end with the most catches. Brennan, 1937 with 202. It's only five and a half yards uh, per pass there. That is not good. And a touchdown and interception. Uh, and Duke rushed for 248 yards. I mean, we, you know, that uh, we knew the run defense was going to suffer. We, we saw it against Illinois. Finally, we saw something from last year that we're yeah doing. yeah yeah but the tackling was abysmal um not just on the front line i mean i think there was some guys in the secondary who, who had some rough days and like i said earlier we the defense isn't very good but this really isn't on the defense and that's going to catch up to this team a lot this year if it tries to rely on the defense that just isn't isn't going to be able to do that. So let me ask you something about the ACC, Dan. A lot of these losses are against teams that that the little tiny sliver of hope is they might actually be pretty darn good teams. Illinois, Syracuse, and even Duke. Conversely, there's some guys who are supposed to win the Coastal who look just awful when you look around the ACC. Where do you see Virginia maybe fitting in against some of these teams we had penciled up as as losses uh, because those teams aren't as good or even just, you know, most of the conference is bad and maybe we're not, maybe, maybe coach Elliott gets Brennan going and we're turning things around. Where, where do you see them in the landscape of a conference that's just getting laughed at uh, by uh, every other conference's fans? Well, I hadn't, in my power rankings. And I think a lot of people had this being the case as well. I had my top five teams in the ACC all belong, all belonging in the Atlantic division. Yeah. So I think, I mean, it's, this is 
very simplified, but I think every single team in the Coastal, UVA could beat in any given night. I think every single team in the Coastal, UVA is going to likely lose to on any given (laughs) night. But, like, Pitt just lost to Georgia Tech. So, without their head coach, who's to say Virginia can't shut down that offense and win some 17 to 10 game against Pitt? Or lose to Georgia Tech. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. no but yeah you're making it yeah point i mean the Hokies look all right you, virginia uh, tech is a completely different conversation <laughs> but i'm not saying uva of, versus virginia tech we all know what's going to happen there no exactly, matter what exactly. tech does as, as, as far as the rosters go yeah, yeah. that's a toss-up game but you know, that's that's a different conversation but and, I, yeah just, and it's annoying to see the Hokies make Carolina think that they're a competent team because we've seen UNC play about as bad as any of the other teams as well in the Coastal this year. I just I think probably two to three conference wins are going like UVA is not going to completely crap the bed and win like zero to one conference games. And the only reason that being that's the case is because the Coastal Division is so bad. Everybody has flaws. Mm-hmm. I think I, I can't point to oh, this game and this game, they're going to win. This game, this game, they're going to lose. But, like, sure, I think sure. two to three games, that would be my projection. Like, in between two and three conference wins would be, like, my projection right now. Gotcha. And Miami uh, not doing so I mean, hot sitting at two and two when they were supposed to be uh, potentially coastal champions after yes. that embarrassing loss. Yeah, with Miami, it's just, I mean, they they brought all these amazing pieces with, like, great resumes in like offensive coordinator, defense coordinator, head coach, and all these transfers. But the problem against middle Tennessee is the team was just very little inspired. Mm. Wasn't playing together. Like mm. they, they didn't, they didn't New care coach. About, <laughs> yeah. They did not care about the fact that they were losing by multiple touchdowns to middle Tennessee state. Mm. And that that's something. So Miami yeah. seems to have similar problems to VA, right? Like they have, they have a quarterback, Tyler Van Dyke, who had a breakout season last year. And he's kind of broken too, just like Brennan Armstrong. I think statistically they've been the two worst quarterbacks of the conference. So mm-hmm. there's yeah. wins to be had at the coastal. Not, <laughs> but like if, if you take any competent team, they're winning probably five or six of those games against the six opponents in the coastal. Gotcha. And Miami has yet to play one in the conference, so. I mean, that's also part of the frustrating part, or that is the frustrating part of of this team being (laughs) what it is right now. And this is true every year in the Coastal in a lot of ways, but it's just like, I mean, it was true last year. If the defense is just not horrific, then they're in competition to win the Coastal. This year it's, gosh, if Brennan was just, you know, Instead of being 10, 15% of his former self, if he was 60% of his former self. And I do think like he had a bit of a bounce back game against Duke. Um, I also think Pierce back to sort of, I do think that the defense is going to be okay in the long run. I think that we need to, against Syracuse, Syracuse had a 20% uh, like touchdown conversion rate in the red zone while Duke had a hundred percent success rate mm-hmm. um, in, in this, in this game on, on Saturday. So like, the, the mean will be somewhere in between there. Sure. The defense isn't going to look as good as it did against Syracuse, not as bad as it did against Duke. I think Anthony Johnson continues to have a really good season. Mm-hmm. Um, he looked good against Duke. I think he only allowed two catches for like negative six yards. Um, 
And that one pass interference penalty on him was soft. You had a pass breakup in the in the back of the end zone that that saved a touchdown. Um, I also think uh, Jalen Baker, is, did I get that name right, in place of uh, Fentrell Cypress had a good game. So I think that there's actually some depth in that secondary that um, is is at least some small positive takeaway yeah. for this defense. I don't know what was going on on the defensive line. They're just not winning at the line of scrimmage. They're just getting thrown off of it. But yeah, I mean, I, I think the secondary is a, is a small bright spot. And I do think that if they clean up just some of the dumb mistakes of if, if special teams is just, if it's just like 50, 50, you know, like each team gets just sort of like the basic stuff out of special teams. We take the ball to 25 each time on kickoffs and we're just fair catching punts and we're getting our punts off. Then I think that we're looking at a different game against Duke. You know, we're just, we're, you know, if you just don't have special teams be a problem, if you play a little bit of complimentary football mm. and if the offense has the balls and goes for and on fourth down every once in a while, like Tony Allen's talking about this professional offense. Let's talk about a professional offense and let's go for on fourth down with a quarterback who's potentially a professional quarterback. We've gotten this far into the podcast. I think this has kind of slipped under the radar because of all the following events, but we had Brennan Armstrong punt the ball. Yeah. (laughs) Good point. Yeah. I I like Zach insisting that they're just, there's just a couple of plays here and there from not losing by 21 to okay, Duke. I'm, it's not, a, it's not, it's, it's more than a couple plays. It's absolutely, it's like 10 to 15, but it's 10 to 15 plays that it's like, it's not like Duke is that much. They're not that much better sure, than this team. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like it's, they're yeah. not, we're talking about, I mean, I can pull up the, the penalty yards, but it's just, it's just, dumb stuff yeah. and that's what Elliot's talking about where it's like and and I mean he takes I I like Elliot because he's not just throwing his players under the bus he takes accountability and he talks about sure. how his players have potential and all this stuff but also holds them accountable um but it's just why is this team not better coached and why doesn't it have more why, why isn't this a more reliable group of guys it's a fairly veteran team all things considered like other than that offensive line, there's and and a couple of guys who have been good in the secondary. There aren't a lot of underclassmen yeah. who are playing. Is it fair to say the the defense looked a lot better with Nick Jackson back uh, on the field? Speaking yeah. of penalties, yeah. not that that was really Nick Jackson's fault um, in, in the previous game, but um, it did seem like, gosh, they were given free yards to the Blue Devils at every opportunity, which yeah. is you know how you how you end up giving away that many points um one bit of a i don't know if you're looking for optimism is the next two games are home hosting louisville and on the road to georgia tech we know georgia tech beat pit right we know louisville is capable of playing a lot better than they did um this past weekend when they lost to bc but to your point dan uh, although Louisville's an, an Atlantic team, <laughs> yeah. UVA could easily win these games. I'm not saying they're going yeah. to. I'm not going to say they're win by a lot. I don't say. I'm, I'm not saying I'm parlaying it or anything like that. But it, 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 despite Louisville being favored, there's no reason to think UVA can't win uh, this game and the Georgia Tech game. 
Yeah, so we'll start with the Louisville game because Zach was just talking about just like certain plays that UVA was just not making, like the simple stuff that changed the complexity of the entire game. That is Scott Satterfield, Louisville in a nutshell. (laughs) Like I I keep reiterating the stat on my ACC podcast. They are two and seven in games decided by five points or less in the Scott Satterfield era. They always have the talent. They always play well enough to win games. In for the most part, and they never come through in clutch spots. They never have good game management. They never make those couple plays necessary. And it's, I mean, I guess the one difference between UVA and Louisville is this is year four for Scott Satterfield. This is year one for Tony Elliott. So sounds like uh, a football coach I used to watch around (laughs) grounds. Yeah, no, and and I think. You know, that's why it could go easily go either way, but you know, hopefully Virginia builds on whatever it can build on with you know Brennan Armstrong's performance. You think coming home, get some things right, get some buy-in. Is is, is that what Zach we're we're working with? Yeah, that yeah. was one of the big words. Buy-in. There's other you know sort of program buzzwords. And yeah. Stuff. Also, can we get rid of the all-white unis? There, I went three in those this year. Can, can we just like good. they look good they're great but it's been the like, highlight it's but, the but no more actually... like you can't you can't wear those again you gotta right. throw up difference with the pants different helmets something you can't you can't roll those back out at georgia tech all right louisville comes to town i say you go you go blue white pants blue shirts white pants against louisville that I'm looks good that. all right we'll see um and then the point being if they do manage to win this weekend then, but then we're going to uh, Georgia Tech. They, they got their upset. They got their good feelings. Not that the coach is out. Now we get back to not being um, really good at football, and and hopefully Virginia has turned the corner. Then you're four and three, and going okay. We can find a couple wins here in this garbage division. I don't know. All is not lost. Is my point necessarily? Maybe Duke ends up being the coastal champions, right? Like, there's just no indication that UVA has shown that they are capable. Right. Like when, like the only indication we have is, oh, they've done it before last year, but in 2022 and that this was like the first point I made in my takeaways article, like there is no indication UVA is showing at all this year that they are capable of winning those kind of games. <laughs> totally agree. I, you know, I know we put out this like fan pulse. I know we have a lot, a lot of questions on Twitter, like where, where, who, 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 how confident are you in Tony Elliott? Now, I don't, I'm not. I'm not saying Tony Elliott's never going to succeed. I'm not saying Tony Elliott is definitely the reason why the team's playing poorly. Although obviously he's got to be part of the reason he's that coach. But as far as the question, how confident are you in Tony Elliott's? I mean, what on earth could give you confidence? This has been an abject disaster. I, I'll tell you what, it's been one last minute drive against ODU from being a complete and total disaster of a season. What on earth could give you confidence? That's the thing is that they're so close to being one in four, and that's terrifying. Because, I mean, one in four with this schedule. But the, all we got you, is if they could beat Tech. If they could beat Tech, they've already they, beat ODU. So we're, we're like, hey, look at that. They could, if they go out and beat Tech in Tony Elliott's first year, I feel like everything, everything is. Just, oh, yeah. I have the same thought. Then you're just, you're happy. Even if they're five and seven. <laughs> like at this point, 
five and seven. So you say what they're they're two and three right now. They get the two wins against Louisville and Georgia Tech. They lose to Miami, Pitt, UNC, Coastal. I guess. Listen, if they beat Louisville and Georgia Tech, the the bowl conversation is is real. Yeah, like, like no, no, it's, very it's true. real. Very true. Yeah. If they lose one of these games, I, I don't know. But but yeah. it, it, winning these two, somehow we come back every week and we we give optimistic. If they're five and seven after beating Virginia Tech, I will be very happy that they beat Virginia Tech. And I will be very sad about the prospects of this becoming a winning football program. Like, you know, two different things. But uh, there's a lot of ways to get to five and seven. So, you know, we'll have to see if that happens when we get there. Uh, Any any parting words on Louisville, though? It's a it's a new game. It's homecomings. It's fall. Weather should be nice. I think Cunningham's questionable. Uh-huh. So really? that's worth keeping an eye on. Yeah, I don't totally. I haven't exactly yeah. done my Louisville background yet, but I I, I believe I saw. I, I could look into that for you. But... Which yeah, so that's notable. If he doesn't play this game, then oh, they better win. Well, better win. Yeah, if Virginia had any sort of history of not letting backup quarterbacks come in and dominate them over, oh, I don't know, the last thirty years, I, I would, I would feel better about that. But remember when we let Boston, we won this game. Yeah. <laughs> remember when we let Dennis Grossell for Boston College throw over five hundred yards against yeah. us? Yes. <laughs> And it's, but it's just like chapter 45 in the history of of letting backup QBs wreck you. But uh, I don't know. And nonetheless, it's got to be good, you know, good news for the Who's if Malik Cunningham can't play. So we shall see. The spread looks like it's three right now. I guess, you, uh, you know, at home, that's not good. Home dogs. I, if I were betting, which I'm not. Because you can't in Virginia on UVA, uh, I would I would take I would take the Who's to beat this spread and probably the over under. I'm curious. Ooh, let's check. Yeah, let's check right now. We've got uh, fifty and a half. Interesting. Now Virginia's only averaging eighteen points a game. Louisville yeah. twenty six a game. They're both Especially allowing the- right about twenty three. Sorry, what'd you say? Especially for the potential. For Cunningham not to play, the under almost seems too enticing. Like under, mm, mm. backup QB five hundred yards though. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> All right, last question for you guys: um, the message boards geniuses who are referencing uh, if if, if uh, Brennan continues to look like a malcontent or not produce. Uh, you bench Brennan Armstrong in any reason other than injury. Any no, I think maybe, I think that's if absurd. We're getting blown out, if we're getting blown out in one game, give sure, Wolf sure. a couple yeah, of yeah, yeah. yeah. And if Wolfhog just looks like insane, then okay, consider it. But like, no, no. Yeah. If if they lose to Georgia Tech in Louisville, and we're sitting at two and five, and the next game or two doesn't go well, then maybe. Because Wolfolk's the like you need, mm. I don't know you, you you need you need to pull Wolfolk away from from baseball. Like, oh no, man, we need I we need know. him to be good at baseball and go make some money playing baseball and yeah. leave leave this nightmare behind him. But <laughs> in, in any other certain, no, I, I think you leave Brandon in. Like in all seriousness, yeah. I mean, maybe if things just look really bad, yeah. But yeah, 
Brennan's the way this team wins games. Yeah, I think you're right there. And it's not like the coaches are um, not trying to win. I think, you know, you say like, well, they're trying to establish a program that the players are going to buy. They also know um, this business. You can, you know, like you, you don't have any margin for error to not win games, regardless of your contract and an apathetic fan base. Like we talked about last week, that's, that's the danger is just sliding towards no one cares um, because, you know, that's that's the world we live in as UVA sports fans. So, Dan, thanks again for joining us. Zach, of course, thank you for always. Thank you for listening. I know you knew this probably wasn't going to be a happy pod, but I'll apologize anyway for the cynicism. Um, it's our way of coping around here because we, you know, we want we want so much good things for our boys out there. And um, unfortunately the good things have been few and far between so far this season. So see if they turn it around Saturday against Louisville and uh, we'll, we'll, you know, stay tuned to streaking the lawn.com for more uh, pregame analysis, happy soccer news and uh, some basketball content coming shortly until then. Thanks everybody. Go. Hoops. Oh.